following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Prayer is the breath of the soul. Almighty God, help us to breathe lest we die. Lord, your disciples came and they said, teach us to pray. And you said, ask that my will be done on earth as in heaven kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, we need to pray. We need to breathe. Thank you, Lord. Now, would you quicken this word by your spirit? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Prayer is the breath of the soul. The word of God is the bread and the wine And obedience is the exercise. All three are necessary for us to be healthy. If we stop exercising, we grow weak. And we have no power. If we don't eat, we become anorexic. If we don't breathe, we just die. And prayer is the breath of of the soul. 
1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verse 16. Paul is dealing with very heavy subjects. And in the midst of all of this immensely heavy theology, he breaks out with verse 16, Be joyful always. Pray continually. I might read that, Be joyful always. Breathe continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will is? It is that you be joyful in Jesus Christ and pray constantly to breathe. At a very practical level, I find myself constantly throughout the day lifting my heart up to Jesus. Constantly I'm praying. My spirit, my inner man is praying. And then there are those wonderful times set aside where no one else is interfering, where I can simply cry out to the Lord. Those hours, those precious hours, when fear has entered my heart and I need some deep breathing, when I'm lacking oxygen, and I begin to enter deeply into the prayer closet and cry out to the Lord, and all the fear disappears. It's gone. My heart is at peace once more. That comes out of praying and giving into the hand of God every concern of my heart. Someone said to me, Pastor, we've been praying for you and for your wife and for the National Prayer Chapel. What else can we do for you? I said, you could pray and believe. That would be an awesome gift. And this person said, Pastor, I pray all the time, but I don't believe. I'm always asking and asking and asking that God will heal Pastor Jan. I've never once yet said I believe that he will. I said, well, then maybe God's tired of hearing you pray. So this week, would you kindly pray with belief? And this person said, but isn't that being awful bold? Well, when you're running hard, you have to breathe deep. And when you're running hard in the spirit, you've got to breathe deep. You've got to pray deeply. And you've got to believe what God has said and stand on his promises. That's why today you see Pastor Jan come up and do the welcome. She's rejoicing in the Lord. Because that's the will of God. What am I supposed to do? Believe in God and rejoice and pray, breathe. Now, please help me understand. As you're sitting today in this congregation, do I need to have anyone come and sit beside you and tell you to breathe? Will you forget to breathe? 
will you become so entranced by what you're hearing that you'll stop breathing and pass out? No, I don't think so. Go ahead and try. Just hold your breath and see how long until your body says, take that next breath. Well, that's what has to happen in our spirit. Our spirits have to be so filled with prayer that constantly we're taking the next prayer, we're taking the next breath in the spirit. It's as natural, we don't have to think about it, we don't have to force ourselves. No matter what we're doing, we're just praying. Our life becomes a prayer before God. Everything that we do is offered to God as a prayer. Our work is offered to God as a prayer. It's also obedience. We're doing it out of obedience to Jesus, but we're also praying out of obedience. The Christian life becomes a constant flowing of oxygen from God. We can't pray without the Spirit enabling us to pray. Charles Finney decided that he was going to finally get right with God. And so he tried to pray and he couldn't and he decided it was because everybody was around. So he decided he would take a hike up into the woods. And so he found a place that was very secluded and very private. He knelt down and tried to pray and he couldn't pray. He heard a leaf rustle somewhere and he immediately jumped to his feet for fear that someone would find him on his knees. He didn't want to be embarrassed. When he saw that it was just a leaf blowing, he got back down on his knees and he once more began to try to pray and he couldn't pray. He was an attorney and he had all of his logical answers worked out. And he was planning on presenting to God his case for why God should receive him. And he couldn't present his case. His tongue was tied. A leaf would blow and again he'd leap to his feet. He'd go investigate. Surely it had to be somebody spying on him. And finally it came to his mind. God is the creator of the universe. How could a man be ashamed of being found praying with the creator of the universe? How could a man be ashamed of that? And when he finally settled in his heart who God was and who he was, all of his loneliness for God began to pour out not with some scholarly case for why God should intervene on his behalf. But all of his wickedness began to pour out. All of his unbelief began to pour out. He confessed his sins before God. And suddenly he he felt this great peace in his soul. And he said, I wonder if God has left me because I don't feel any conviction of sin in my heart anymore. That must mean that God has left me. What is this strange peace that has come into my soul? 
He wasn't starving for oxygen anymore. His soul was breathing. And God was coming in. And he was going out. Do you need to breathe? Do you need to pray? Are you ashamed of being caught praying? Or is there a peace in your soul? Because you know all the power of sin has been broken over your life. And you know that you belong completely to the master of the universe. And now your lines of communication are wide open. There's no barrier between your heart and God's heart because he's removed the burden of sin from your heart. I wonder how many of you today are sitting in this congregation with no burden of sin on your heart. With just that peace of God, I can tell you, I have no burden of sin in my soul. I have only the awesome peace of God. I have no unbelief in my heart today. I have the wonderful assurance and peace of the Almighty God because I've been in the prayer closet. I've heard from God. I've been breathing. You can have that same assurance in your spirit right now. All you have to do is take a breath and begin to confess your sin before God. Begin to open your heart to him and tell him all about the burden that's been crushing you. And as you tell him about the burden and as you confess that sin and you ask for his blood to cover you and wash you, peace begins to flow into your soul and fear is drained away. Anxiety, unrest is drained away. The bondages of sin are broken and removed and you're healed by the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. Oh, what burdens we bear. Needless burdens that we bear. What sorrows we carry in our heart so needlessly. I can look at my precious wife in two ways. I can look at her and say, Oh God, my wife is dying. Oh God, what am I going to do without my wife? I'll be so lonely without her. And you need her too, God. Oh, how terrible it is. My wife is so sick. Or I can begin to breathe. And say, oh, Lord, thank you. I rejoice in the word you've planted in my heart. She's going to live and not die. Thank you. I rejoice in you, Jesus. Thank you that you're teaching me how to be a humble servant. Thank you that you're teaching me how to get up in the morning and see this morning that the guests that came in the house yesterday trampled all the salt on the wood floor and go get a sponge and get that floor all mopped up and clean so that when my wife comes down, she won't look at that and feel bad because she knows she wants to do it. 
Well, I have to be honest with you. I didn't look much at floors before she got sick. But now I can't get my eyes off the floors. I want to make sure that my wife doesn't try to get on the floor and clean them, so I clean them before she has a chance. Do you understand what I'm saying? Rejoicing comes into the soul and freedom comes into the heart and we say, thank you, Jesus. So I don't look at my precious wife and say, oh, how sick. I look at my precious wife and say, Jesus, you've healed my wife. I'm standing by faith. That work is done. My wife is healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I stand in faith. Am I discouraged? Absolutely not. I'm breathing. But now, please, let's get very practical. In Luke, the eighth chapter, we have a parable, the parable of the sower. You recall we spoke about this parable of the farmer going out and sowing his seed and the devil coming and stealing this word of God away. And we spoke about how that word of God was being stolen away from our hearts because we've walked so many times on that same soil and we've committed that sin with such abandonment for so many years that we don't even recognize that we're sinning anymore. And the word of God can't penetrate. The devil comes and just steals it away and we're left in the same old sinful condition. I mean, some of you just flat out don't want me to talk with you about your sin. You get angry if I talk about your sin. Some people have even left this fellowship because they got tired of Pastor Ray confronting them with their sin. One family got very upset because I kept dealing with the teenage son and telling him to pull his pants up. They didn't like me telling their son to pull up his pants. Soil is so packed down, the devil comes and steals the word. Then we have the soil that's rocky. People who receive the word with joy, they say, wow, it's wonderful at the National Prayer Chapel. We like what we hear. And then very quickly they're gone because the soil is rocky. There are no roots that go deep into the spirit. It's about people and it's about feeling good and it's about being a rice Christian. In the time of testing, they fall away. They don't want to hear the straight word of God. But today we're going to speak out of verse 14. This is Luke 8, verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear... But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. You notice these dear people are choked as they go out in their private life and try to continue a normal American life. Oh, they're, they're Christians. They believe in Jesus. But they want to be able to have a nice, wonderful worship service 
praise and worship, a nice encouraging sermon, and then they want to go out and live their normal life. They want the entertainment of the world. They want all the things of the world. They want to be able to do what they want to do and go where they want to go. These these Christians are, are Christians who never grow up. These are Christians who refuse to take responsibility for their lives. They always want pastor to take responsibility. Pastor, should I do this? Should I do that? Ask Jesus, don't ask me. It's it's grow-up time. But there are three specific areas where they are where they are choked. First, life's worries. That word in the Greek is not neurotic worries. It is responsibilities. It is the mortgage. It is the rent. It is the car payment. It is the business. It is the children. It is education. And it consumes now the reason it's choking a person is because they are doing the responsibilities of life with no prayer life. In other words, all of us in Jesus Christ are responsible to take care of our families, to take care of our jobs, to take care of all that God has assigned us to. But if we begin to do those duties out of a humanistic spirit and there is no prayer, it will become a thorn that will choke us. And the word of God will not be profitable in us. So before I come to preach, I have to have that time in the prayer closet to hear clearly what he wants me to say and how he wants me to say it. Before you go to your work, before you do your day, you have to go in the prayer closet early in the morning and hear clearly how God wants you to walk this day out before him so that through this day you will rejoice throughout the day and the burdens of the day will not be able to wipe you out because you had adequate breathing time in the spirit Without that breathing time in Jesus, you will grow discouraged in the day. The trials will come. You will fail them. You will be caught up in every kind of busy activity. And there will be no presence of peace in your heart and no quietness in the spirit. And so your day will become reactive instead of proactive. And so you'll be just going through and getting through, and you'll be among those who who say, thank God, it's Friday. (laughs) You can hardly wait for the week to be over. The reason you can hardly wait for the week to be over 
is probably you've had no breathing time with God. You're probably not having adequate food and nourishment from the word. And your exercise is probably not happening. The obedience part. If you're missing obedience or you're missing food or you're missing breathing, you'll say, thank God it's Friday. Now maybe I can rest. You see, I'm standing here preaching the word to you, but while I'm standing here preaching the word, I'm resting in my soul because I'm breathing. My body is not in crisis while I'm standing here working because I'm resting in my inner man in the assurance of Jesus Christ and his blood and his power. And so why would I not be at peace? The responsibilities cannot draw me away from Jesus Christ. Rather, I take on responsibilities at the assignment of Jesus Christ. Some of you are in a very difficult place because you took jobs, you lit your own fires, and now you're in torment in those jobs. Well, the only answer is confession and repentance and then resting in that job until Jesus gives you a job change. And for some of you, I pray it's not 40 years. For the children of Israel, it was a 40-year stint in the wilderness. In fact, it was 40 years in the wilderness till they died. I hope God doesn't have you in your job until you die. There's a second thorn... Riches, the love of things, the love of things, of stuff. The bumper sticker that I saw said, I don't love money, I love stuff. If you love stuff today, You have not been breathing in the Spirit. Stuff becomes very unimportant when you recognize it has to be burned on it. You realize when I walk into my house, I see the couch that you see when you walk in, but I may see a sign on it that you don't see. I see the word trash to be burned. When I look at my dining room table, I see a sign on it. It says trash to be burned. Everything in my house has a sign on it that says to be burned. That's to remind me that it's just stuff. And stuff will keep you from the prayer closet. My daughter and her husband and our grandchildren came to see us yesterday. And they said, 
after some time of visiting, when it was obvious, I think, that I wasn't going to prepare a meal, they said, why don't we go out and eat? And so Jan and I had some tickets for a restaurant that had been sent to us in the mail, discount tickets, and we said, hey, we'll throw these in. So off we went to the restaurant. All the four grandkids, five grandkids now, sorry. Michael and April, and we sat down. And little Rachel, who is very special to me, my little redhead granddaughter sat beside me intentionally. She swapped places to get to sit beside me. So she's sitting beside me. What does she do? She pulls out an electronic video game. And we're sitting there eating, and she's playing her video game. So in front of all the family, I said, Rachel, I thought you wanted to sit beside me. Oh, I did, Papa. Well, you can't sit beside me and play a video game. So you either have to move or you have to turn your video game off. Because I won't compete with a video game. Well, she turned it off and pouted the rest of the meal. And had no more conversation with me. I was bold enough to reach out and put my arm around her and say, Honey, are you angry with me? No. (laughs) Are you upset I had you turn your video game? No. I knew anything I said to her, I was going to get no. The walls were up. She was gone. Do you understand when we bring our stuff into God's presence? His word to us is, sweetheart, turn it off. You can't go in the prayer closet and take your stuff with you. God's not going to compete with your computer. He's not going to compete with your television. He's not going to compete with your books. God's not going to compete with stuff. You're going to have to turn it off. Now, there is a place for stuff so that when you come, you can sit on the couch with us. We have sat on the floor, but it's nicer sitting on a couch. And I suspect that in heaven we may have couches because he built us to sit down. But our concern is not going to be the couch we sit on. It's going to be on the one who's sitting beside us. And we may just sit on the grass. There's a third thorn that can give us trouble. Life's pleasures. Those things that we turn to to comfort our hearts. 
those things we turn to when we know if we turn to God, the first thing we're going to have to do is repent. So we don't want to do that. So we'd rather turn to the ice cream. Or we'd rather go to the refrigerator and see, just search it to see if we can find something that will satisfy that taste that we have. We don't want to go to Jesus because we know the first thing he'll say is repent. We don't want to repent. We want to be satisfied. The pleasures of life. You know, I've been really good this week. I think I deserve a break. Walking with Jesus is a chore? Is that what we're saying? In our inner personal life, do you have any of these three thorns growing that are blocking your prayer life? Let me ask the question a little differently. What blocks your prayer life? And when you tell me what blocks your prayer life, it'll fit in one of these three categories. Anything that blocks your life in prayer is a thorn. Those thorns have to be cut down and burned, they have to be removed. I'm concerned about our public appearance, how we speak with our brothers and sisters. I'm concerned about whether love is expressed between members of the congregation, whether acts of kindness and charity are done between one person and another. I'm interested in how you're treating the people at work, and I'm interested in how you live in the outer world. But, you know, all of that is a reflection of what's happening in the inner person. What's happening in your inner man, your inner woman? Are you carrying today a burden of sin in your inner man? Do you know you're not right with God? Is that blocking your prayer life? Does it make it impossible for you to come into the presence of the Almighty and find immediate joy and peace? And the presence of God. When you need God, is He a long way away because you've moved away from Him? You know, the couple, the farmer's husband and wife riding in the pickup truck. And as they drove down the dirt road, they came up on a car. And the girl was scooched all the way up under the steering wheel with the guy. He had his arm around her, leaning over and giving her a kiss. And the wife said to the farmer, you know, we used to be that way. And he answered, I didn't move. God didn't move. God's still where he's always been, at the steering wheel. Did you move?
Is there a burden of sin in your heart that is blocking you from intimacy with God? Are you angry with God? You have demands against him because he hasn't done things the way you thought he ought to do things? Do you have accusations against God? Are you dissatisfied with him in some way and so you've moved to the far side? Come on, guys, you know what it's like. You're driving the car. You're holding hands with your wife. You're close. Things are going well. And then somehow words begin to fly on a subject that's very tender between you. And you let go of her hand. And then pretty soon you know you have to take the steering wheel with the right hand. And now you're steering the car with the right arm and she's sitting over there. You're well defended. You guys never do that. You think the wife doesn't recognize that defended position. Honey, is there something wrong? No. Are we buddies? Well, yeah. I guess. How are you with God? Is there a blockage between you and the Lord God of heaven? Or is your heart open and flowing? Are you breathing in the Spirit? Constantly breathing in the Spirit. Or you, have you allowed these thorns to grow up in your marriage with God? And these thorns need to be chopped down and burned. I want to see the glory of God. I want to see the glory of God corporately. I am going to see the glory of God because he told me you are going to see my glory. He said he was coming. But I know that there's some work that needs to be done in our hearts to prepare for his coming. And it seems to me the first work that needs to be done is to get some thorns cut down and removed in our private personal life. And there needs to be confession and repentance. And there needs to be a lifting of the burden from our hearts. And a peace of God that needs to come and enter into us. In our private personal world. Now today. I want to ask. Is there anyone here. That knows you're carrying a burden of sin. In your heart. You know the peace of God is not in your heart. 
you know there's a burden of sin in your spirit. If you know there's that burden of sin in your heart and today you're willing to confess that to Jesus, then come and let me pray for you. Now, Lord, I'm going to pray first for these dear ones who've come forward. They feel that burden of sin in their heart. And they're tired of it. They're sick of it. Would you give them the courage to confess and to repent before you for that burden that they have been carrying that wickedness, that disobedience, that despair, whatever it is, Lord, I'm asking for them a removal of the burden and a raining down of righteousness in their hearts. Lord, I know this is a work that only you can do by your spirit. I know that our mouths are closed up as long as there is pride ruling over our hearts. I ask that you would break all pride in my brothers and sisters and in my heart. Let there be no pride. But let your peace come and remove all sin and all pride and And let us know your peace, Jesus. Now, Lord, I need to pray for those who did not come forward but have a burden of sin. Lord, I ask for a crushing conviction on their hearts. I ask for a crushing conviction this week on their hearts that would drive them to the To the cross. Lord, don't let one person in this house escape with a burden of sin, but Lord, enlarge that burden until it is unbearable. And Lord, those who have come, would you increase their burden until They get in your presence in that private place and pour out their hearts in confession and repentance. Let there be no thorn that would prevent them from doing that work. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at nationalprayerchapel.com. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great joy now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great Presence of His glory will.